Welcome to another edition of the Stun Show. I love that song. Avram Fried, Baishanim, our theme song here on the Stun Show. Mark Zamek, uh, uh, as one of the four hosts of the Stun Show. Uh, I share this microphone with Mayor Fertig, Daniel Gordon, and Jordan Gorfinkel. We have a very special Stun Show today. And as I usually say, it's either... Uh, Radio Gold or Crash and Burn, we'll figure it out, and you will be the judge. A very special guest in the Teaneck East studio with us today. I notice on your bio, which I printed out, that um, it o- the bio only begins with when our radio career ended. So Chaim Book joins me today. He received a law degree after his graduation from Yeshiva University, where we met. Um, he received his law degree from Columbia University School of Law, where he was a Harlan Fisk Stone Scholar. That, that sounds pretty uh, heady. That sounds more impressive. Than okay, it. Yeah, it sounds pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, he is, um, you spent uh, 15 years at a prestigious law firm in New York City, which you failed to mention on your uh, website. And um, and now you practice law at the firm of Moskowitz and Book. Any relation? Yeah. Oh, okay. close, pretty close. You relate to the Moskowitzes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, as I know, because we share um, positions on the board of TABC, you are involved. Um, I don't. Can I say primarily in employee employer topics in uh, your law practice? That's correct, yes. Okay, so very interesting. And maybe we'll get a chance to talk about some of that and how that plays in. I know Chaim has spent um, time um, uh, and is an expert in the, um, can we say you're an expert, in the cross between American law and halacha as relates to employee-employee relations. Yes, you can say that. And it's um, also safe to say, I believe, that you have rabbinic ordination. from. No, no, no you don't? No, I, I don't. thought you went no. to uh, Reitz. Wow, okay. I, 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 I completed one year of it. But okay. Ne- never, never finished one year more than me. That's awesome. Never finished the whole degree. Um, so uh, so we didn't, we, we can, we, maybe by the end of the show we can give you smicha. <laughs> anyway, hi. I thought only Nacham could do that. <laughs> really? I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to find out. Anyway, um, so Chaim joins me today, and, you know, again, we try to do different things here on the Stun Show. Chaim and I hosted a very popular radio program back in yeshiva in, in our Yeshiva College days called Kol Hanashama. And um, as I was going through some of my um, audio assets, as we say, I found um, a program that we did, and I thought it would be interesting for us to chat, play some of that show, and uh, look back at uh, what our college radio career was like and how far we've come and uh you know and by the way it was a long time ago the um the show we're going to listen to is um was uh did I give you the date of the original show I mean I guess you could do some of the math well if you if you listen to it I think you could figure it out right it was, it was December 9th 1986 yeah so it's That's 27 it. years ago uh in about a wow. month and a half wow WIUR was at 6.40 a.m., which I guess was just a technical place on the dial, but we didn't broadcast uh, over the air at the time. We broadcast on an, um, into the dorms only, although we were always afraid of the FCC somehow. I'm not yeah. sure why. Yeah, we, and we somehow got into Stern College dorm. I'm not sure how. <laughs> it was that. the same way. There was same some way. Okay. kind of connection. I don't know. I wasn't part of the technical team that uh, that, that took care of that. But uh, So we did a show called Konoshama. This episode of Konoshama that we did was the premiere of Kesher 3, 
which, uh, interestingly enough, I went back historically to see where that was. I mean, that was certainly the last of the three Kesher albums, last of the three Kesher albums. Um, and uh, it was also after the first of the Schlockrock albums. I thought Schlockrock right. came after Kesher. Uh, I mean, we talk a little bit about Schlockrock, but Schlock, the Schlockrock album came out almost actually a year before. The first Schlockrock album was in um, January of 86, and that features such memorable songs as a Barbanel Hotel in the Night and um, Making Aliyah Today, which is the theme song for Nefesh Benefesh on Jam the M. Anyway, so um, what I thought we would do is sit back and listen for a few minutes to our opening, and we can uh, come back after the uh, opening segment and uh, and critique our radio um, prowess. From, and there's a lot to critique, believe me, as you'll hear. Um, our radio prowess from 27 years ago. This is Mark Zomik along with Chaim Book. This is the Stun Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's coming in on the thing over here. Okay. okay, let's stop this. Let's rewind this. We are here for a special edition. I don't even have my cards here. A special edition of Kalanashama with Mark Zamek and Chaim Buk. Hi, Chaim. Woo! 
Good evening. Good evening. And we have two special guests in the studio. I mean, we have a Very lot of guests special. in the studio, but two extra special guests. Extra our two extra special guests in the studio are Robbie Zeitz and Jeff Said. No, just kidding. Uh, our, yeah. two ex- <laughs> our two extra special guests in the studio are Lenny Salmon and Yona Lloyd from Kesher. 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 What's Kesher? What's Kesher? What's Kesher? Tell us all about uh, the group. Connection. Connection. This is the third connection, right? Is that what you're telling us? This, this is the third this connection. Is this is the Chazaka. Ah, ah, ah. What are you going to call the fourth album? Um, Revenge. Revenge. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's Revenge good. That's good. Well, if you want to, well, wants to make you feel <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh there we go. We couldn't hear what he said. Okay. Now, for those people, we'll try it again. Lenny, why don't you tell us uh, what the reason for the name of this new album, Kesher 3, Chazaka. Explain to us why Chazaka. Now, now that your mic is turned on. Well, actually, it was the only name that we could think of besides Kesher 3. But besides that, um, I, was know, kind of, I was kind of wondering when Kesher 2 came out. Well, you know, The way, I, the way we, we saw it was our statement in Jewish music that we are here. You know, um, everybody puts out one album. Some people put out two, and then you know, usually they go the wayside. And this is our third one, and hopefully there'll be many more after this. So this was our chazaka, if you will. I, th- I was gonna, I was gonna Thank mention you. that. Guy. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I was gonna mention that that a lot of the bands bring out bring out one album. I mean, Judea did, but although all the guys from Judea are still around, but mm-hmm. Judea brought out an album, and, and this, is, this, <coughs> this is this is this is means you're here. This means you're uh, here well, to stay for a little while. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, Let's see. We have any questions for Lenny? Sure, we do. But we'd we'd also like to tell the uh, our listeners. Well, I'm I'm sorry, Mark, but I was want to make sure that people hear me. We want to uh, invite our listeners to call in with questions for Lenny and Yona. Our number is five six eight forty seven hundred here this evening on YUR, as opposed to what the number was last evening. Um, and Yona's here too. Yona's here too. Yona, do you have anything to say tell us about, about the new album? Hello, Yona. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, I have a lot to say about the new album, but I can't hear myself. We've had a lot of discussion about the comparisons, right, between the three albums. So would you like to ask us how we'd like to compare this album to the other two albums? Good, good <laughs> cue, Yona. Next time we won't even write it down. We could try. Um, we, we, we'd like to compare this album to the other, to the other two Excellent. albums. Excellent. <laughs> now all you have to do is read the cue card over there. Hold that cue card up a little. You know, I was watching Saturday Night Live this week, and Steve Martin was doing a dance around the studio, and he got so close to the cue cards, he just took them in his hands and was reading them himself. <laughs> I can imagine that happening, but okay. So, so what do you compare? Our, our, our how, would you, how would you compare this album to the other albums? Well, let's see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, basically, I would say, Lenny, you would agree with me, that the second album was a little more uh, unsophisticated insofar as that it, without the horns, because the Jewish sound usually has horns, a little more freilach. Yeah? Yeah, I, I, I would say that our, our this album is a little more subtle in terms of um, musical ideas. Um, Kesha 2 came straight at you with rock. I mean, we, we went away from the style of Jewish music, and we, um, you know, we tried to go where no Jewish groove had gone before. <laughs> I don't know whether we did or not, but this third album, we brought back horns, and um, we also went back to the style of Kesha pretty much was, towards the first yeah. style, although we kept the, um, the same arranger who arranged the, the second album. We loved his arranging. Who is that? Um, Steve, Steve Bill. Bill. Simcha Bill, actually, as it <laughs> says on, right. on the records. And... Um, <laughs> Q card. Q cards. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks for the Q card, yeah. Um, <laughs> you see what the Q card said on it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've had too much it? of that at Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Star Trek 4. Yeah. Okay. Um, they don't know what we're talking right. about. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we, we, we decided that we would go a little, you know, try to make a 
a medium between the first and the second album, and that they were pretty much. Uh, people used to ask me, you know, whenever they wanted to buy an album, they said, "Which one should I get, Kesha One or Kesha Two? And I really couldn't tell them. I mean, oh. you have to, you have to get both. Really, <laughs> you, should, you should give it two album set. It, it's like an evolution process. The way you know, the way I see it is, we we evolved from from one, which was pretty much straight Freyla. Mainstream, it was mainstream. Yes, definitely. Well, I don't, I don't mainstream know. Would, you, would you hit? Would you say they hit me with your best? Well, that was the that was the only abnormal one on the album in terms of. Abnormal, no, radical. Perhaps. Radical, yeah, I don't know about abnormal, but but um, Kesha one was mainstream and Kesha two was the exact opposite in in terms that we did stuff that uh, I don't wouldn't be put on a normal Jewish Freilich album. And Kesha, Kesha three? three goes sort of makes a well, compromise. Two, yeah. You know, we have a little bit of one, a little bit of two, <coughs> and some new stuff also, which um, hopefully let, you'll be let hearing me let me let me ask you about this song, the next song that we're going to play. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking for the people who wrote the songs on the record. Okay. Right, and we got and we got Lenny Solomon and Jonathan Rimberg and and Lenny Solomon and and Jonathan, you know, and Ellie, <laughs> and all these people. And then and well, then I come well, to and, well, right, well, and, well, and, well, and you know what? And then I come and then I come to Baruch Chait. Okay, now wait, wait. Okay. Before, before we play the song, mm-hmm. it's on the Jerusalem Echoes. Correct. It's on Mayo Sherman. Correct. A little bit of everything. It's, why, why, it's also on Dove Hoffman. Right. Why, 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 why we, the song? Okay, we loved the song. We didn't feel it made it in any in, in wedding bar mitzvah circles. It certainly didn't make it. I mean, it's not played. Right. Um, yeah. But it's a great song, and we felt that it was never done right. So we added a touch of Kesherization. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what we did. We we um, Kesherized. You'll hear a couple yeah. of Kesherizations as matter of fact in the middle. Also, what we did was we used a couple of Mordechai and David effects, even with a chorus, which we have on this on two yeah. songs on this album. We have a chorus of thirty-six voice chorus, like Haharim, like uh, Kiva Simcha. Uh, yeah, but this is more. You know, they did that in Kolwar Marsha this summer. Really, they did Haharim in Kolwar. Uh, incredible! It's it's great. <laughs> you know, well, 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 you know, you, you know, you made it when you're in color. Oh, I mean, that's it. That was why we put out the third album. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we we had a chorus, thirty-six voice chorus, which Mordechai uses a lot, and you know, a whole group of people. Yes. I mean, it's done really. It's six people singing it six times. Speaking of chorus, are all these people who you list here as um. Uh, chorus. Are there, are those, do those people really sing? Does yeah, yeah, sing? Yeah, we wouldn't. He's the most noticeable voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jordan is great. Well, Jordan, I know. Jordan, yeah. yeah. Just great bass, great bass singer. I'll get that. Okay. And this is Hatov on 64 AM WIUR. Kesha 3. Okay, there's just so much to say. <laughs> Well, first of all, you're a lousy prognosticator. Uh, oh, right. Well, you mean because Kesher 3 was the... Uh, was the final album. Was the final album. I don't know. The Kesher group. I don't know. I, I, you were being kind, I guess. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, the truth is, I guess, that um, Schlockrock took off much more than they thought. And, look, a lot of things changed. But was, one second. I, I, I should have written down notes because there's just so much bad there that we have to talk about. Um, first of all, the fact that I'm... Seem to be equally terrible engineer now as I was then. <laughs> um, it's all about the program. The second is I clearly so much wanted to be Howard Stern. There's no question about that. With all the clapping in the background, I don't know what was going on. I'm in, in my mind. I'm the only one who sounds different. Everybody else sounds exact. You sound the same. Lenny sounds the same. Lenny I don't does know. Sound the same. It's really funny. Um, and uh, so I don't know. I don't know how all that happened. Um, and uh but you're it, much younger than all of us huh <laughs> yeah but I, I mean the difference is well i wasn't really but uh i, I okay 
the um right so they that was their last album the um there were so many other things that were bad in that uh the Steve Martin reference to Saturday Night Live the um uh, the just the chaos that it was going. I don't, we must have done eleven, twelve o'clock at night. I don't even know what time. We, that was our time. We left from eleven to twelve. Oh that wow! I can't even stay up that late anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's you know, and that we were just throwing out sort of the Jewish music, music, music trivia. I was there just to sort of play with Lenny, like we knew what was going on in Jewish music. Like I knew every album that that song was on, and. Um, I don't know if you would throw anybody under the bus these days and say, well, we did the song because we didn't like anybody else's version of the song. <laughs> I don't know how Barack Chait would feel about that. Um, it's also amazing, and I think that we commented later on in the show, when we get to it or not, was all those guys are still around, yeah, and absolutely. most of them. I mean, Yona was never really both feet in, and he still has one foot in maybe with his, uh, you know, I guess Lenny lives in Israel too, but um, uh, with their professional lives but all the guy all those guys are still i mean lenny's still producing music after all these years um and he's come so far i mean if you even for those of you who've been able to hear um daniel and babylon which is his hopefully his broadway play uh it's just you can see the evolution in in what he did and most of the songs you're saying before i still listen to and like but what was your you know when you when when you heard the show when i emailed it to you early in the week what was your first reaction to uh to, to listening to it. It's funny that you you, you saw all the bad in it. I, th- I thought we did a great job. It was a fun <laughs> interview. Everybody, everyone was laughing. Everyone was having a good time. And all the references, you know, to Saturday Night Live and later in the show, there's a reference to Letterman. I mean, as junior seniors in YU at the time, that was the culture. Those were the popular things. Everyone who was listening would have known exactly what we right. were talking it's about. True. I mean, now 27 years later, it sounds archaic, but I mean, back right. then, we were right at tar- right on target. Yeah, but it also sounds, I mean, I I don't want to say, I, it depends on the kind of show that I'm doing, whether I prepare or don't prepare for a show. Um, it just sounds like chaos in the studio. I mean, part of it is, of course, we, I mean, to some extent, even in that little space we're a little starstruck by it, that a real band that put out three or four albums would actually come into YUR to have that discussion. I mean, True. Lenny was always very gracious. True. Um, you know, and clearly Robbie and Jeff were in the other room trying to help us make, you know, make it work. Um, I don't even remember if they were in the room or if we had already set up that little outside studio with microphones in it through the glass. I don't even remember how it was set up, but it was with turntables. I mean, it was so, it was so old. It was, and it was even falling apart then. But it was just, but it was a fun time. I mean, it was fun. It was, you know, a great outlet. I, mean, I can't believe it. eleven o'clock at night, really. We did eleven to twelve, and we ha- and we actually, I, I don't think in this particular show that you you were able to hear, but we actually had people call in for requests, and uh, we had a little banter uh, with some of the callers. I mean, we 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 had we had devoted listeners, right? No, <laughs> and, and the truth is, that, and I would say. Um, with, with me, it's still true. Most of the shows that I do, I do for my own enjoyment. And if the listeners enjoy it, you know, all the better. But, uh, you know, certainly when I'm sitting in occasionally at Jamie and the AM, I'm just, you know, I don't think I opened to, to, to quote a rabbi friend of mine. I'm not sure that I opened the floor for questions. You know, <laughs> I didn't open, open the floor for requests. That was, you know, these were the songs I wanted to play. So, um, but it was, I mean, I very, very fond memories of the whole YUR experience and um, that creative outlet. But right, so you, it's maybe it's our perspective on what's good and what's bad 
about radio. Um, so I was, maybe we should, um, play a little bit more and we could talk over it and comment because maybe that'll be, um, a little more, um, interactive with what was going on back then. Hold on, let's see. We'll just bring down the volume. Actually, it's probably better. We'll play the song and then we'll come back and see what it is. Hot Tove. I definitely remember the Mayor Sherman version of the song. I'm not sure I remember all the older ones. But he legitimately had the 36-voice uh, choir. It sounds like Yona Lloyd in the lead, but I, I should have pulled the album and uh, and see what it said. I'm almost worried what's going to happen when we come out of the song. I mean, what, one thing that, that hits me uh, as I'm listening to this is I'm, I'm recalling the fact that you know you you were really you were the radio guy. Like I wasn't really, I wasn't so, I wasn't interested. But I don't really. think. Yeah, but I don't you're, think you're, I was cool. anymore. You just came over to me one day and said, "Would you do a radio show with me?" And I, I didn't even think about it. I was like, "Yeah, that'd be fun, sure." And and now, as we're sitting here 27 years later, you can see how, like, for you, it, it's still a part of you. He's right, it's definitely it. still a part. Yeah, I, I enjoy listening. Never every made day, a penny <laughs> on it. Never made a penny on it. But okay. uh, you know, it's all. Uh, it's definitely a creative outlet and a passion on the side. And I will also say, it, and it's clear from listening to the show, and now from being, let's call it, more of an adult and being able to look back. Um, uh, you know, look o- look over it, um, maybe a little bit um, less emotionally. I-, I-, I think I was always a much better producer and the idea person than I ever was a host and a conversationalist. I think to this day, my strengths are more behind the microphone than they would be in front of the microphone, although some people might argue one way or the other but I think I would argue strongly that I'm a better producer we'll see what happens don't sell yourself short because uh, uh, one thing I recall is you, you taught me how to queue up a record which today right. everyone listens well, to well no that's why I have the it. app right now I have the app with the record on <laughs> it app, uh, back then I don't think we yeah. had any idea what an app was right we, I, I even commented at the beginning um, that we didn't uh, I didn't have all the cards because it wasn't the normal show that we would do and for whatever reason I guess we had a lot of pre-recorded stuff that we would do. Um, we did. We did. You know, definitely a lot of thought went into it for the few listeners yeah. that we had. Um, and maybe more now. We could do a whole, you know, week of uh, 
calling a shama show <laughs> with Ryan Buck and Mark Zalek, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what. When you get the feedback from the public, right, here, exactly. I'll see. be happy to come back again <laughs> if they're interested. <laughs> yeah. Kesha three special. I was Kesha three. That song also featured Shmuel Wasserman on percussion. Shmuel Wasserman is great. Shmuel Wasserman is great. He, he's up there. He has such a good time when he's playing there. Oh, incredible. Mm-hmm. incredible. He just sits there. I mean, I watch I mean, him at the back, musician. in the back great, of the stage. Great just, drummer, great musician. I mean, plays the we've heard stories of him at, at weddings in Williamsburg and Borough Park. <coughs> he walks around the drums. He plays them while he walks around. <laughs> I've seen him at NCS well regionally. Comes. I think we're the yeah, only two people that are mentioned on the show that don't live in Israel right now. No pressure. Yeah, exactly. Revolve the show around Shmuel. Yeah, yeah, that's a Shmuel Wasserman special. Yeah, oh, see, that's the second, the second Saturday Night Live reference. Okay, uh, another time. Yeah, another time. Yeah, another time. Discuss drumming techniques. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the best drummer in the world. Yeah. Um, how is <laughs> nobody knows the reference now? <laughs> okay, uh, that's a <laughs> no. It was never thought about. Just uh, totally by chance, you thought of that question. It was. Uh, uh, first of all, who are the family members of Kesha? It was you, me, and Bill and Joey. Friedman and Shlomo Horowitz. Now, I think we're going to talk about it in a second, but um, Joey Friedman became, I don't know, famous, infamous. He was like the first person wearing a yarmulke on Wheel of Fortune. Oh, really? And this happened, I think, right before this. Um, And so it uh, it comes up in our discussion. But he was like, for some reason, I, I, I remember as like the first noticeably from person on a game show. So that was his claim Last to fame. Around a year, then he got married, moved to Baltimore. Isn't, isn't that always yeah. the way? <laughs> and Joey Friedman lasted till the end of the second album, then got he got married, married and moved to Memphis. Memphis. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, Yona was... Joey Friedman of, of Wheel of Fortune fame. <laughs> of Wheel of Fortune <laughs> fame, exactly. Boy, can you do, you do you have that on tape at home? No. So, yeah, I, we, we didn't get our VCR believe. until last week. <laughs> oh, okay. And I'm already addicted to the remote control. <laughs> he went on that show and... He, okay. We got a VCR the week before the show. I mean, how old is that? And by the way, the irony of it is that half our listeners probably don't even know what a VCR is. Okay. <laughs> well, That's what I remember. I heard they wouldn't give it away. The first time he got the thing, he spent like eight times, got the thing. I heard they wouldn't let him win the car. No, he, you know, as a matter of fact, the way they work it is there were like 17 shows in a day. I mean, I spoke to him afterwards. I thought it was only five. No, the, well, the <laughs> 17 <laughs> shows. They have 17. They start in the morning. Right. I and they just keep on going when they film. No, that's he told me okay. 17, and he was the 15th. By the time he got <laughs> on there, there was no, no car left. left. Hmm. And that was why he didn't have <coughs> the car. So oh, well. Instead, the man who works in jewelry had to go and get a <laughs> necklace, right? <laughs> 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 that was also in the oh, people even who watch Wheel of Fortune now. Those days in Wheel of Fortune, you had to, whatever money you won, you had to buy the prizes that were on the stage and spend all your money on the prizes. I didn't remember that either. So right. You got the opening of the show. I remember, you know, look at this studio filled with glamorous and exciting prizes. You know, it was, uh, it was a whole, you know, a- after each of the, um, each of the rounds, they had to spend all their money. On the prizes in the studio, so that was, I guess, I that was a, a necklace I such reference. A fan to, <laughs> right. Well, you know, when it comes right. to that, was my other passion was watching TV, <laughs> which is, um, well, just TV in general. I remember it was funny because one of my um, earlier roles at um, in advertising was I was responsible for a weekly report that went out to our clients about what happened in TV the previous week. This is before Entertainment Weekly or TV Guide did any of those types of things, and. Um, 
I, at the time, and for a number of years, I watched eight, nine hours of television a day. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, in hindsight, when I stopped doing it, it was like mind numbing what it was, what it was doing to me. But I had run into a, um, a high school classmate of mine who had, mine who had gone on in Tarabunas, which many of my high school classmates did. And, um, that was another stunt show that I want to do that I thought was funny. Um, I had met, uh, Rev Eliakim Konigsberg at Champions Gate. And so he and Raviona Reese, um, were in my high school class and I wanted to do a stunt show with the two smartest guys in the class. And maybe I would say one of the less <laughs> smart guys in the class and see where we were in our careers. Um, along with Jordan Mann, who was the valedictorian of the class, who now works in some kind of technology thing in Manhattan. Anyway, so, um, it was, uh, so I ran into this classmate and he says, what do you do? And I explained to him what I did at the time. And he said, well, that's hysterical. I go, why is that hysterical? So I said, so he said, well, when you're, I'm sure when you were eight or nine years old, your mother said while you were watching TV, that's enough TV already. What, what, you know, you're going to have, what are you going to do when you grow up? You know, it turns out that was my training for watching TV, but, uh, luckily that's, uh, not prof- my professional role anymore anyway. Let's see what's next. Don't ask me anyway. It's funny. You watch the show. I mean, you're getting off the topic, but you watch the show and you always say, why did they pick the car? I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, why did they pick the car? <laughs> Idiot. So much Idiot. money. Idiot. Pick the car. 13,000 bucks he had. I mean, it wasn't as a $9,000 pot there. And it was, right. you know, he had to go for a necklace. Well, you know. <laughs> so anyway, the Kesha was started. He wanted a car, by the way. Okay. Uh, <laughs> as far as Kesha was started, well, you know, we were playing the NCSY circuit, which we, we still are to an extent. Um, not as regional? much. You play regional. And he still is to Last an extent. Year, we yeah. did six regionals in a row. Um, <laughs> but aren't we all on the same weekend? <laughs> no, we went all over the country. I mean, we really? southern, um, northern, southern, 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 <laughs> yeah, <laughs> southern, Long Island, Midwest, uh, Seaboard. Uh, well, Seaboard, of course, we play. New York. And, mm-hmm. uh, right, New York. We didn't play New York. You did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Okay, thank you. Okay. Okay. Let's have a fight. I feel like this is a newlywed year. I was just going to say, it sounds like you're married. (laughs) And none of us knew anything about that at that point either. No. Anyway, um, no, we we were playing the NCSY circuit, me and Svi, and everywhere we went, uh, we, you know, we were very successful. Mm -hmm. And um, we met Joey at a Seaboard event. Shlomo I had known from since since I was in ninth grade, and um, we formed Kesha. That was how it was done. Although me and Svi really got the other two guys in the band, mm-hmm. and, um, and that was it. From then on in, it was we released our first album March of '84. But we had been playing since the September. Of, actually, since so you've released an album every year. We no, actually a year and a half. A year and a half for the last one. Yeah, a year and a half. The last album came out June of '85. That's a year and a quarter, whatever. I mean. In between one in eighty four, one in eighty five, and one in eighty six. Right. Okay. Well, we're waiting for the one in eighty seven now, right? So uh, be wait, <laughs> I have a question. I heard there was going to be this song on the album um, that Obi Sharfman wrote. Oh, okay. He, he kept telling everybody about that it. That song was actually <laughs> never put on an album, the Obi Sharfman song. It was supposed to be on there. We just it was the first. Yeah, it was the first of Achenu. It was from Morisha Sharia. The girls that the girls won that song that year. Um, um, just didn't have Achenu it's a good song. On it already, and yeah. uh, we're hoping to use it on the next one, actually. I haven't even spoken if to him. Aubrey's willing to wait for us. That's right. <laughs> I spoke to him the other day about it. He said, uh, really? nobody else has asked him for it, so okay. perhaps. So, I mean, what, Excellent. Hap- Excellent. what happened was we just didn't, you know, we had too many songs. Right. 
And let me ask you another question that Nachum told me to ask you. Okay. Um, <laughs> what happened to the Real World album? See how Nachum is oh, unbelievable. Yeah, first, yeah. Explain, first explain to everyone what, what what the concept was of the We Are the World we thing. Are the world. Well, well that Stevie Wonder. Right? <laughs> when I sang, me and Svi no, what the sang on the chorus. Yeah. He and I actually sang yeah. on the chorus. But the, the album, album never got released. Um, it was a Jewish album. So all the Jewish artists got together, right? Album, oh, except one or two. Many years later, American Jewish artists for Soviet. But some people weren't there. It was a Soviet Jewry album. It never got released. What if I didn't show? Right. But Avramel, Avram. Avram Freed showed he just didn't sing with the whole. He did it another time. Couldn't like 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 Stevie Wonder, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know when they were. You ever see um on the the HBO special? Uh-huh. That Bruce Springsteen recorded a solo, and Stevie Wonder came in two weeks later and to record overdub it to have a duet. It was great, <laughs> but it was funny that they, they didn't dance. Bruce isn't good enough. There are a number of other <laughs> attempts, but the um, the Chazak song was many many years later, and that was done by Yehuda and Jordan Gorfinkel, who were probably still in elementary school when we were. Yeah, no, I was, I, and I still to this day, I, we, 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 we joke about it at work, I still to this day would not consider myself a very good interviewer um, in general. Um, even the ones where I've done better at required a lot of preparation on my part, and um, it, it's tough because I interview people at work all the time to hire them, and I'm, and I, and I know that I'm not that good at it, so... Uh, there are reasons we won't go too on the air. So I'm so afraid of guys like you if I ask the wrong question. That's probably it, yeah. I'm sure you'll be fine. They never got around to us. It took so long for the... First, the first they did the people that had to catch flights. So there was one guy who came in from London. Right. So they produced a Jewish album. Who's got the earliest flight. And then... And they were very... See what the next song is. I can fast forward this. They just couldn't get their act together. No, How far together, into the show did, you, did uh, Remy and uh, mm-hmm. Seth come in? Uh, probably, it was toward the end, probably in the last ten minutes. Okay. Let's see if we can fast forward it. Let's see what happens. It was funny because Jonathan clearly was not interested in being interviewed. Right, that's funny. <laughs> he was giving one word answers. We were trying to get him to talk. Which is a YU program. Right. I was the most... I'll just pull this down and move it out to six months left. Oh, this is the one they did during Color War. This was definitely the best of the three Kesher albums, I think. Uh, I, I've listened to the album uh, not in recent weeks, but... Right. Right. Sushan was a great song. I actually was trying to transfer it. I don't think I have it in my library. I got to go find it from somewhere. We have a winner. We had a contest, and people called in. That's ridiculous. I'm telling you, Mark, this was a, this was a popular show. Oh, here we go. Hello, are you there? Yes, hello. You're there. Hello, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Corey Bardash. I'm calling from 66. Corey Bardash? Another a resident of Israel. Wow. <laughs> oh, you're 66. Whoa, whoa. Corey, why do you sound so nervous? Oh, Remy's like, like, voice there. is deeper now. <laughs> is this Lenny? No, with you we ever get good listeners. Lenny's here. L- Lenny's in the studio, he, but he's not yeah. talking to you. Oh, uh, Chaim, how you doing? Okay, Corey. <laughs> 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 I have like a little conversation on the side.
Actually, we're related now. My wife and Corey are like distant cousins somehow. I was just watching Gallagher last week. It's like, but wait, it does more. Is that a sledgehammer? Sledgehammer? I think I think you may even have one much much more. No. This is just such. Balling out. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was a college radio college radio station, right? So very, very much balling out. This was not JM in the A. Right. The same room as Freddie Schwartz. Yes, I am. I'm in his room right now. Yeah, okay. Freddie Schwartz also is in his room. It's both albums go the same. So, so you have this effect on people, I don't know. And pick up the albums. Your two wives is in. Three nineteen, and who else? If Remember, by the way, who is the sponsor of our program? Okay, so Shamor Orchestra. Pick up that album, okay, Corey? Still around too. Thanks a lot for calling. Bye bye. Just like your brother. I think for the first couple of shows we had, we had Nishama. He's getting all these, all these, Lenny gets a call. Lenny gets a call. I don't understand. Let's ask Jonathan a question. We used to have to get sponsors back in the day. That's all you're going to get from me tonight. Name, rank, and serial number, yes. Name, rank, and phone number, right. Yes. What can I do you for? So how's that? You realize his voice was higher. No. That's it. There's something else. Only on Unbelievable. What? What are those two things on your ears? <laughs> cheap headphones, that's what they are. <laughs> cheap headphones. Oh, headphones. Yeah, I thought the monkey left nostril. I thought the monkey left the engineer. That's Robbie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Again, with the Saturday Night Live stuff. I have a question for him. <laughs> that was popular question? culture yeah. back then. Can he name every album that he's appeared on in 10 seconds or less? Oh, that's good. And, uh, no, let's make, it, let's make it easier. Every album in the past year. Every album in the past year. <laughs> that I've appeared on? Yeah. Hmm. Probably not. Good guy in show. Probably. In the last year we have Neshama Achat Shtayim. Good album. Yeah, excellent. Good album. With the clapping. I love the clapping. You're pre-adolescent. We just played it before. We're all pre-adolescents. I said that. Let's see. Then we have the Kol Haneshama album. That was a good album. Kol Haneshama. Okay. Who's this guy? Hey, who, who brought this guy in? <laughs> Blout. Blout. What are you doing here, Blout? Blout? I don't know what that reference was. Uh, yeah. And, and Kesha 3. Kesha 3, yes, of course. And, and you were on Leil and Ruach. 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 We don't have a lot of teachers Ruach. that had accents. Oh, and the Ruach uh, Barchinash. Right. Kola Neshama. Yeah. He said that. that. Okay. He said that. I'm not confused with Jonas and Weiss's Kola Neshama. And the up-and-coming Jewish Pride album. And the up-and-coming Gypsy Jewish Pride. Excellent. Jewish Pride oh, became a big no, song. No, not Jewish Pride. <laughs> that was a song. That was a little for Lenny. Yeah. Lenny also released that. <laughs> Jewish Pride. Speaking of Jewish Pride. Right, we were talking about Jewish Pride. Where were you that you were all dressed up? We had a heavy listenership. We in, uh, it's like college. sort of in between. Like like people usually see you in either jeans or a tuxedo. This is like this is like in between. Are these for the listeners that just tuned in that didn't hear where I was ten minutes ago? <laughs> Are you at Sheva Brachos? Yes, Sheva Brachos. Very good, Mark. He's learning. That's for you two guys, I think. Sheva Brachos for Bobby Shubowitz and Beth Roth now. Oh, wow. You must have gotten married recently. Beth Shubowitz, yes, Monday night. Oh, oh we were just talking about the wedding before. But that was off the air when you were talking about the wedding? Yeah, it was, it was. I'm never paying attention to this stuff. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, um, it's uh, two minutes to twelve. Do you have anything else oh to tell God. the listeners? Kids, I can't even uh, listen to me stay up that late. Star Trek 4 is a great movie. Star Trek 4, that was the best yeah, of the Star we'll, Trek movies. We'll come movies. back after this song and we can say goodbye to everybody. But, I mean, is there something, is there something that we didn't cover in, in, our, in our vast discussions tonight? It's very, very important that you go out and tell ten friends of yours to get Kesha 3. <laughs> and tell and and, and your friends and so on. And eventually everybody will have very clean hair, but I hope everybody will have it. Another reference I'll get. Ten friends. Ten friends. Go out and get Kesha Remember that? That it was a commercial for a shampoo. And this, <laughs> this is schlock rock.
Hopefully this will come on the air eventually. This is right. This is Kotor tonight. A special request by At the time, Mitchell I don't think we ever thought the clock was going to go anywhere. I thought we thought the cash share was right. That was where it was at. Exactly. And this unbelievable rerun, right? Oh, wow. And looking back, I think uh, we we um, we definitely have uh, fond memories of that. Although I still cannot believe I stayed up until midnight. That's just something. That's the hardest thing for me to believe. Uh, one, one thing that you, you, you um, that we missed that uh, was somewhere in the middle was the interesting. There was an interesting discussion about how Le- whether Lenny found that he had ever had any problems, any issues. Oh, with, with the, the rights. With, with the rights, yeah, with with doing uh, parodies, song parodies. It was an interesting discussion, actually. I think a little this bit ahead of its time. Lawyer. Correct. Yeah, it was a little bit ahead of its time. And actually, I know that sort of changed over time, whereas at the time he would just sort of send a letter and it was innocuous. Technically, the law is if it's quote-unquote a parody, you're allowed to do it. Um, and now I think at some level he's paying ASCAP fees and, you know, to he's you know I actually know the the Beatles album that they put out took them a long time to get permission to do oh, that really? that was like done years and years before it ultimately got released. Oh, what he was saying when we when we interviewed him was that you know I think it was he said it was three or four cents right. per album and the number of albums that were sold in yeah, the really world back cared, then yeah. it wasn't worth it wasn't worthwhile for any popular recording artist to go after them for for those kind of right. Things. So his Broadway album I think he, he might have been the biggest selling album ever. So it'd be interesting to hear. Uh, um, to pay those royalties, and some of them might have been older songs, and so they expire. I, I don't know any lawyers who know who do this thing. I just know that uh, we try to keep it above board. Um, anyway, so this is Mark Zamek along with Chaim Book on the Stunt Show, a special edition of the Stunt Show, recording here at the uh, Eastern Teaneck Studios of the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, we hope you were enjoying our retrospective, our look back, our throwback to our college radio days. Um, hope maybe we're a little bit more smooth now. I'm not sure that I would put us in that category. Not in the one day we might be professionals. Anyway, so I just thought maybe in the in the last few minutes that we have, we should uh, talk a little bit about because we've talked about it off the air, and I'm something I'm very interested in in sort of the the convergence of and what you do professionally after because you didn't you evidently didn't go into radio professionally no, 27 sadly, years later sadly, sadly. <laughs> you still have a good radio voice so uh um to talk about what you do is uh in your profession as you mentioned so i i would you call it an employment lawyer employee lawyer what would you employment lawyer employment lawyer right and um so we've discussed um the uh, the topic and i it's of interest to me in, in a number of areas, and I actually discussed it in some length with um, Rabbi Schwartzberg uh, at Champions Gate, is um, a determination, termination, right? The termination process as it relates to what would be considered American law versus what would be considered halachic law. It is my understanding that, and I am no expert, and I don't claim to be, um, that when it comes to terminations in, um, I don't want to say it's as simple as halacha, but it, when it comes to terminations within the um, clay kodesh, I don't know, that's what Richard Joel's term, but you know, in the Jewish community, that uh, Ramosha is very clear, and no one's ever argued with him that there is a um, severance package that's, let's call it, assumed in halacha. That um, most Dine Torah will fall back on in lieu of whatever severance package might be agreed to. Um, 
you know, I think, you know, unfortunately, I, you know, I, don't know if, I don't think we have enough time for me to really go into a lot of detail on it. I, the, the, the very basics are, uh, from a secular law perspective, um, certainly in the state of New York and state of New Jersey, um, if, if, if someone is an employee and does not have a written contract, which is probably 90-plus percent of most employees, right. then they're considered an employee at will. Mm-hmm. That means if they are let go and it's not for a discriminatory reason, which is a whole other topic, right. um, then they leave without being entitled to anything. A lot of the larger companies do have severance policies where they pay, uh, you know, a week per year, two weeks per year. Um, so you don't usually see much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But they're not required to do that, and certainly there are plenty of employers that don't do anything. Then when you when you contrast that to Jewish law, and not just with Clay Kodesh, I mean, Jewish law in general, there's a concept of that when you send your employee away, I think it's a, a, a specific Pasuk in the Torah, that when you send your employee away, you have to send them away with something. Mm-hmm. You can't send them away empty-handed. Um what that, but what has ultimately evolved over time is that uh, you know business practices kind of take precedence over uh, over anything else, and the the, the rare exception in Chutzlar, it's Israel is an entirely different right. story. But in Chutzlar, it's what the, the rare exception is what you refer to as Clay Kodesh, which is essentially um, the rabbinate uh, employee, certain employees of. Uh, Jewish institutions or or, um, or schools that over time a minhag has come up in terms of paying severance. Rav Moshe, Rav Moshe Feinstein um, had the concept of chodesh l'shana, mm-hmm. which is commonly discussed and, and, and assumed as being the usual, which now over time, since Rav Moshe wrote that, I think is right. sort of debated and not really full. Oh, I thought it was much more... It was my, it's my understanding and, and, you know, from, from doing a little bit of research, you know, in advance of my discussion during the summer, that almost regardless of what severance package a rabbinic figure, whether teacher or, um, puppet rabbi, almost regardless of what's, if there is or not a severance package, if they, if those two parties end up in a dintor or the rabbi, that, that person is going to get chodos Soshana. I don't think that's true. I think that um, I think we, we, that while we may start off with that assumption, mm-hmm. that there, there there are a lot of factors, that would, factors. That, would, that, would, that would go into it. I mean, including. But those for, factors don't have to do with the cheeseburger on Yom Kippur, with you know. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Right. Th- those would not come into play. Right. Um, I, I think that uh, a, a Besden would probably look at what the first of all, what the custom of that particular institution has been. Um, but there have definitely the, been cases recently where teachers have been let go for quote-unquote cause, and Dine Torah have put those teachers back into place with a raise. You know, a number of them come to mind, which I won't... Uh, well, two of them come to mind to me, and, and you, know, the, you know, the reason why I enjoy what I do very much is because... Every factual situation is different. Right. Every every case has its own set of facts. So you know you, you 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 try to take general principles and try to figure out what the result should be for that particular set of facts. But right. the, the real, things really do um, turn on the facts, and and they will change from situation to situation. And particularly when you're dealing with the Jewish world, 
um, you know, the type of employee. So, you know, it wouldn't, you know, someone who works as an administrative, administrative staff right. in, a, in a day school, you know, should not assume that they're going to get, get Kodesh Lashana. Right. Um, on the other hand, you know, uh, someone who is a Lumine Kodesh teacher, um, and has been there for a long period of time, um, you know, and, and is let go for, for no reason other right. than, you know, that the time just to making go. Right. Time, you know, making uh, space for others or, or uh, whatever the reason is, you know, may, uh, you know, be confronted with the issue of, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, the school just doesn't have 20 months of salary right. to pay you after 20 years. Um, so, as I said, it, you know, you really do have to deal with things on a case-by-case basis and figure out what makes sense. And I think that the movement now is to try to control those costs, which is, by the way, perfectly within the bounds of Alakha and within right. and, and a stipulation within Ramosha's Psaq of if you have it in writing in advance. To preclude, right. Not to preclude severance, but to define right. severance so that it doesn't, quote, break the bank in the case of uh, the, the Lumude Kodesh uh, teacher who's been there for 30 plus years and all of a sudden now is being let go and is expecting 30 months and the school right. just doesn't have that kind of money. When you, when you spell out things in advance in writing and everybody understands it and is signed off on, less room for dispute, more room for the school to be prepared for that type of eventuality. So you're definitely yeah, advocating Rabbi Schwartzberg's position is get it in writing in advance. Well, yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, that was <laughs> – look, the truth is he wasn't – you know, it's not something that you can necessarily argue because we could both point to cases that probably go both ways. Sure. Um, but um, certainly he says that's why we have to write better contracts. I, I will say that one of the things that I, as um, a board member of a synagogue – currently advocate for and will strongly advocate in the future for that whatever that severance package is agreed to is handled on an annual basis by the the shul or the school if that were the case so that when when we are when the young israel of tinek for now and the, the future are deciding how much to pay a rabbi we are adding um what is it eight percent to our annual cheshbon and putting that money away. So whether the rabbi is here for a year or two years or 30 years, to your point, you're not breaking the bank at the end of that right. to well, come up with the agreement. I mean, I, mean I would make two points. One is that it's widely accepted that if you have a pension plan in place for uh, for, for someone, whether whether it's a, a rabbi of a synagogue or, or elsewhere, that that replaces um, the idea of severance. Um, and that, that is mm-hmm. fairly widely accepted. Um, and the other thing I would say is that I've been an advocate for and have given talks to uh, both rabbinic alumni and current uh, rabbinic students uh, for the fact that employment contracts for rabbis need to be not pro forma, they need to be detailed, they need to spell everything out before him, both in terms of what the expectations right. of the rabbi are, what the expectations of the synagogue, right. because the more detail you have, the less opportunity there is for a difference of opinion or a fight later down the road. And that's right. just from experience. Right. I mean. and, and even if you go back, Rabbi Schwartzberg's comment to me was, look, when a rabbi's contract is over, there's only one thing that we're talking about, and that's money. So, um, it was, you know, it definitely, I think I that. I beg to differ with him on that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, but I think in most cases that's going to be the discussion. I, look, I, in I most find cases, it. You're right. I find, you know, I, I guess, and it's bad on me or bad on us as lay leaders to, you know, because clearly, um, we need to be better, better educated on the, the finer points of this. Otherwise we're being irresponsible to our, um, to the Balabatim. Um, who we, we represent. So um, we're definitely um, 
you know, I think that today, you know, today we have the opportunity to be better at it, and that's one of the things that we're doing. You have um, your favorite uh, case where everybody thought that you were going to lose, and you pulled it out somehow that uh, you turned it around and won. Well, I mean, you know, I I tend not to look at uh, look at it as as winning or losing. Okay. But from from my perspective, particularly when I'm dealing in the Jewish world, uh, I'm very much interested in working things out and being fair, right. in some compromised way, so that you know, even though no one really walks out happy right. <laughs> as they shouldn't in any compromise, um, you know, I, whenever I walk into a situation, I, you know, I, I would like to see. Um, both sides walk away, being able to hold, hold their heads up high, knowing that they did both what's best for their particular institution and, and what's the best uh, for, for each individual. So, I mean, yes, there have been you know, situations um, where I, I've come in, which were um, very, very um, contentious mm-hmm. and very difficult, and uh, where a, a particular person had to leave a particular institution, and uh, you know, we successfully were able to work out all the issues right. um, with uh, one particular case I'm thinking of, where the rabbi was able to, you know, craft his own exit to, to so he can hold his head up high right. and 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 not. Be embarrassed in any way, and and have enough financially to be able to f- to move on to find his next position. At the same time, the institution was able to save face, not to look bad, so to speak, and to to to, sh- to be able to say and, sh- and demonstrate that they did the right thing. Um, and uh, that, to me, is a huge success. Right. No, I totally agree, and I think that 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 is certainly the effort. Look, I I'm sure I had very different. Um, not very different. I had maybe different operational um, procedures that I might have looked at 10 years ago um, that I probably th- see differently now. Um, I think as Young Israel of Teaneck, as listeners of the show know, are, is looking for um, for a rabbi as Rabbi Weinberger is leaving next year. Um, I am very conscious that we are, not only for Rabbi Weinberger's sake, that he has his wife and his family who lived here for many years, but the new rabbi coming in also has a wife and a family who's moving in, and we Sometimes Balabatim treat the rabbi much more like an, a, a straight employee, and you know we do that at our peril, and it's probably the wrong way for us to handle. Um, at some level, it can't the pendulum can't swing so far in the other direction. I will say that um, one of the uh, I had an interesting case at work. So our, our company has a vacation policy. And each supervisor is then allowed to modify that policy within reason within his own group. So I have a couple different additional rules. So even if you have five or six weeks of vacation given to a year, one of the policies in our group is that you can't be out of the building for more than two weeks. Because what was happening was people were taking two weeks in December, the office was closed for the last two weeks of December, and then taking the first week in January out. Well, I only took a week and a half vacation. You were out of the building for five <laughs> weeks. I mean, seriously, that's like a maternity leave at this point. Um, and also within the group of, you know, 50 plus people, if uh, more than a dozen people are supposed to be out on a particular day, that's it. No one else can take off. Of course, we need certain coverage. So um, there is uh, a young man in the group who is Jewish and not particularly religious, who um, in three, four days beforehand, when the vacation was officially closed, wanted to take some chastor off. And so at that, normally I don't know, I only approve vacation for people who directly report to me. He doesn't directly, he, he, he indirectly reports to me. Um, but at that point, once I put a moratorium on vacation, they have to come to me to ask permission. I called, um, 
a rabbi and he says you have to give him the vacation. You, you have to override the rule. Um, even though he was working on Shemini Atzeris. Right. He had to override wow. the rule. Um, That's interesting. I had no choice but to give him off. Uh, it was also interesting. There's another guy in the group who um, was working on the team for six or seven months and at some point, this is last year at Chalamoid Sukkot, we were having a meeting and trying to figure out what was going to be done over the next week and um, and I said, well, you should be able to do this, finish this by Monday. And they go, well, we can't because so-and-so is out of the office. I go, why is so-and-so out of the office? He goes, it's a holiday. It's like an idiot. I go, what holiday is it? And they look at me like, I don't know. You should know what holiday it is if you're out, too. Like, I had no idea because I never approved his vacation. Somebody else right. had, been, he had been out Rosh Hashanah and Kippur the first yeah. because I had no idea because he was so quiet about it. Anyway, so... Whatever. Well, look, I found, um, I had a great time. I'm glad you were able to come and I'm glad we were able to do this finally. Um, I am advocating, uh, and I'll say this now on the air so there's more pressure on Nachum, um, to replay, we, right now there's no Monday live lunch. I want to do a live lunch of just recorded tapes from those of us who are now in Jam Name, whether it's Nachum or me or Matis or, or Robert, certainly we've been doing this for a long time and I think it would be fun to do because essentially it would be an oldie show that we'd be able to listen to. So anyway, but anyway, thank you so much for coming. I had a great time. It's a great nostalgia, great uh, looking back. Um, This is Mark Zamek on the uh, stunt show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, Listen, thanks to everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We had a great time. We'll see you next time.